Hello, and welcome to Back Into Thrones. I'm Joseph. And I'm Michael. Today we're going to be talking about the season finale for House of the Dragon. It's here. It's done. It's done. I feel like the last three years of my life are just gone. They, they are. No, I mean, like, just, like, it's cra- I don't know, like, since 2019, since they announced this show, it just feels like, wow, I can't believe we watched the whole thing, and now we have to wait, like, two years to get the next, you know, season. Yeah, they're filming in March? In the spring. Yeah, I believe in the spring, so, yeah, it'll probably be at least as early as spring 2024. Though we said that for spring 2022, so... Oh, yeah, so, who knows when we'll get it. But, yeah, so there's a lot to talk about this episode, and I just can't wait to get into it. But we should probably give a spoiler warning first. Yes, for House of the Dragon, the whole entire season now. Yep. Nothing past it. No, we will not be doing this. For Game of Thrones seasons 1 through 8, I don't know why I just said (laughs) the entire series. And, of course, the books are based off of Fire and Blood and A Song of Ice and Fire. Though we will not spoil what happens after this episode. Yeah. We don't want to do that to you guys. No, as I said before. I mean, if you know, you know. Yeah. What comes next. But yeah, we're not going to talk about that here. And then my favorite one, history. Yeah. Although you can't spoil her history, but Anne Boleyn dies. Yeah. I feel like that's always your go-to. It's the most obvious one. No, I'm to sure us. there's... Yeah. Us, I'm sure there's others who it's like, oh yeah, this, that. Are you ready, Joseph? Ready as ever. Let's get into House of the Dragon. Episode recap. Rhaenys comes to Dragonstone. And tells Rhaenyra that her father is dead and that the Greens have usurped her throne. Rhaenyra reacts by going into labor. Damon secures a lion, like the King's Guard, and tries to get ready for war, while Rhaenyra goes through a very traumatic birth, which ends with a dead baby. Yeah. And while at the funeral, Rhaenyra also faces a coronation as Sir Eric <laughs> comes in and crowns her. Rhaenyra and Damon start planning for war, though Damon is a little more enthusiastic about the whole thing than Rhaenyra and seems to be taking her position a little bit. Sir Otto Hightower arrives with negotiations and gives Rhaenyra a piece of paper that comes back from episode one between that is very sentimental between Rhaenyra and Alicent. Rhaenyra then reveals why she's not into going to war so much, that being because of the Song of Ice and Fire, which Damon does not take lightly. No, he does not. Corlys Velaryon wakes up and is on Dragonstone now, fully recovered. And he sides with Rhaenyra. And Rhaenys does as well. Yes, right before Jace... And Luke are sent on errands to go get alliances. With the Starks, the Arons, and the Baratheons. We don't know what happens with Jace, but Luke ends up going to Storm's End, where he finds Aemon Targaryen already there. Who kills him in a dragon fight. <laughs> dragon chase. Yeah, accidentally. The episode ends with Damon telling Rhaenyra what happens, and it just ends on a still shot of her breaking down and full of fire. The storm broke, and the dragons will dance. Episode ratings. I give this episode a 9.5 out of 10. A 9.5? Yes. It was very well done. I liked everything about it, except for one specific scene, which is when Damon chokes Rhaenyra. Now, I'll say this. This episode was leaked, so I did know about this before the episode aired. So I had two days to process the idea of it. And especially now I saw what Ryan Condal say about it, and it was basically what I thought of anyways. So it does make sense for the character, in my opinion. I don't, but a lot of people were saying this is like butchering Damon's character. Like, this is the equivalent of, like, Daenerys in season 8. I don't agree with that. Damon is a very violent person. I just think it went a little too far with the choking. Everything else was fine, to be honest, with it. Yeah, I gave it a 9.9. 9, one point off for the same reason. Okay. 
I thought it was... I didn't like it. I mean, let me say this. Damon is a violent person, as you said. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were saying he's light and dark. Although, from what I remember in Fire and Blood, he is more dark than light. But that's it's a biased account anyway. I don't know if he would physically harm Rhaenyra in the book. But that being said, I did appreciate Ryan Condal explaining it. I agree. Even if I don't 100% agree. So for me, it's more of a criticism than it is like a, oh, this show's got, you know, going down the toilet or whatever. Because I think some people have gone that far with it. I think it's stupid. In my opinion, it's like, it's more of like something, if I wrote the show, I wouldn't have done it. But I'm not going to be like, hell, like, you know, hell freezes over with that. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit different from a season eight thing. Mainly because, well, at least they have seasons to go forward with this. Where season eight, that was the end. I agree. And it, they were disagreeing. They were both going through a lot. And I think we'll talk about this more when we get to our analysis. But, like, it's a traumatic time for both of them. And I think Damon just wants, you know, wanted one thing. And to know that his, as Ryan Constant, to know that his brother kept the secret from him. He thought they had a good relationship despite all that. It felt like a betrayal. And he took it out of Rhaenyra. Like I said, I'm not a fan of it. But I'm also not going to go, like, this is, like, the worst thing that ever happened. Because it's not. Yeah, it's I not mean, that big of a deal. I mean, Damon in the books does a lot of horrible things. Yeah. So, I don't know if he would do that specifically, but it's not, like, the worst thing he's done, which no. is saying a lot. No. And, like, we'll see with season two where they go with it, too. So, but yeah, everything else, though, besides that, though, was very well done. I liked everything. The last sequence with Vagar and Arax and Luke and Aemond, that was very well done. And we'll, we will talk more about that scene specifically in our next section besides that i mean good build up it was it was very much like a finale to a game of thrones season where it's like a little bit slower here but there's some big things that happen it's kind of like it's i always feel like the episode 10 of a season of season game of thrones is like set up for the next season yeah and this was definitely that and it worked very well in my opinion yeah i can see that i mean it definitely felt more penultimate than usually usually it's a wrap like a wrap-up of the season where this one felt more escalating forward and i think that's because well we know the story is going up rather than coming i don't know if that makes sense yeah it makes yeah it does make sense to me and i'm very excited to get into our analysis episode overview i think one of my favorite scenes in the season and i know this might sound crazy but it, i think it really is is rainier's birth scene it was very well done i just it really was an extraordinary scene to watch. It was brutal. It was painful. It was sad. It was also quite frightening. And I think that was what they wanted because Rhaenyra is in this very bad situation. And in the um, behind the scenes episode that they do after, they said that her body betrayed her in the last minute. And I love that analysis in the idea that that the fact that she's a woman will never escape her. The fact that she lost her throat is because she's a woman. The fact that she can't do anything is because she's a woman. In pain and labor. It very much speaks to that, yeah. And it, and it's ironically, labor seems more painful than anything we've seen in the show so far. And yet the men don't seem to take it seriously. Except Damon, who I, we'll talk about later, but he doesn't seem to be able to process the idea of losing Rhaenyra or anything, which we'll get into later. Yeah. And then I like how it's juxtaposed to Damon forcing allegiance to her when she's not president. And also Cyrax feeling the pain. Because we know the dragons feel the pain of the riders. 
That's what that was. Yeah. Cyrax was in pain for Rhaenyra. And then it gets even worse with Rhaenyra. Has to catch it, whatever. Yeah. And then its head hits the stone floor, right? Yeah, it's dead. Yeah. And was... then the lady saying, let us help you. It's They can't help her in this situation. Not because, not literally or figuratively, they can't help her in either situation. It's so It's sad. so good. I wish I could analyze it more, but I need to watch mm-hmm. the scene more. The music was well done with it, too. Like, you just felt, like, the intensity of it. That's actually something else I want to talk about in this episode, which is the lack of music at points. I What are you talking about? So, when Rhaenyra, when the baby comes out, the music ends. Mm-hmm. And it's just silent. So it's a lack of music. And then, when Otto Hightower arrives, it's silent when Rhaenyra comes in on her dragon. Juxtaposed to episode two, when the same thing happened, there's that really cool music. Here, it's just silent. Cyrax circling the sky. I wonder what the choice was there. I think it was because it's more somber. It's more a dangerous situation. There's not... Wars, really. Like, the last one's like, Damon stole Dragon Egg. Like, yeah, what's the threat? It's not like too much bad. It's gonna happen. And now it's like... This is like the beginning of a big war. It's going to kill a lot of people. Yeah. So that's what I liked too, because it really shows how they use music so well that they can also use no music just as well. They know when to do it and not to. And I think it really affects the scene. It was so well done. And then the funeral after too. Yeah. Like we saw Rainier like wrapping up the little baby who, by the way, in the book, it was a girl named Visenya. Yeah. We'll talk about that in another episode. Yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to clarify yeah, that. No, I, yeah. I realized they didn't actually yeah. name the child. Well, I thought they would because... I thought they, they would because in the first episode we had um, Emma say, like, Rhaenyra declares I'll have a daughter and she named her Visenya. Uh, yeah, I thought they were going to do that, but they didn't. Yeah, I thought it would be good. And then Ryan Connor wrote both episodes, so I'm kind of curious about why he didn't do that. Anyways, yeah. it's not important. I guess my theory would be that he considered the fact that the baby's gender or anything didn't matter. It just mattered that it was dead. Yeah, 100%. That's, it just, that's all that mattered. Because, like... She just lost her father, and now she lost her unborn child. That's traumatic. And she lost her throne. Yeah, it's, And she didn't ep- know about any of it. This episode, she hit so many lows. It was actually crazy. It was She hit rock bottom. Your father's dead. Then, oh, no, there's another bottom. You're going to fall deeper. You just lost your throne. Oh, nope, it's even further. You just lost your stillborn child. Oh, here it goes even more. You lost Luke. Well, actually, before that, it kind of goes up. It goes up, but at what cost? Well, as they said in the inside the episode... She's at this, like, loss, and then Sir Eric Carlga comes at the funeral and gives her the crown. And now what was, like, a, a very sad moment for her becomes one of the most empowering moments for her. I love how they're doing it, how it's her coronation is mixed with grief and pain versus the other coronations or rises that we've seen in the show of empowering moments where it's in Game of Thrones is usually more, oh, it's so good, where here it's, but she just lost so much. In a way, it's kind of like Daenerys with the dragon's birth. Because Daenerys lost her husband, lost her unborn child. She was at her low, too. And that's when she hatches the eggs and all the Dothraki bow to her. And here she lost her unborn child. She lost her father. Her throne was taken. She lost everything. And now... I guess I didn't associate... Here comes this big coronation thing. I guess I didn't associate with that, mainly because in the book, A Game of Thrones, Daenerys kind of accepts the baby's dead already, and she's she is upset, but it's, it's not as big of a deal... As it was here with Rhaenyra, where she was clearly broken by all that happened. If that makes sense, where Rhaeny- I was to say Rhaenyra, when Daenerys, when she burns Khal Drogo, she has more of a calmness to her. 
because she has a plan. Like Rhaenyra just does it. I don't know. That's why I didn't compa- associate them. But you're you're right. I think they're. I mean, I think you're definitely right. It's not one hundred like parallel, but there is still you can definitely compare the two. And also the fact that Daenerys' story ended there, whereas Rhaenyra still has a way to go with this episode. And in terms of that, it, it comes down to her authority as queen. Yeah, which they seem to be trying to ignore. Yeah, because Damon tries to like, as she said when she was giving birth, Damon like fighting his war. Yeah, which I thought was weird because, well, it is her war, but I guess because she hasn't sanctioned anything yet, he's just acting. Yeah, because while she was giving birth, he's he's already getting things, moving things around, and as I said, securing the Kingsguard. I do want to talk about um, the Damon in this episode. Yeah, I because. Agree. There's a lot of people who are saying that, what was the word? That their relationship has deteriorated. I can't say that word, but you know the word yeah. I'm saying. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's grief. Because they're looking at the scene where Damon, where she's in labor and he just doesn't go to her. And the scene where he, well, he obviously chokes her out, which we can't get around that without acknowledging the fact that that happened. But... I don't think that Damon did the first one, I should say, because, oh, our relationship isn't good. I think it's because, as we've seen in other episodes, when trauma is going on around him, he doesn't exactly process it well. He kind of dissociates from the whole thing. Yeah, like, Lena, he was very dissociating from her towards the end. Viserys in episode 8, like, he was on his bed, and he was, like, all sick, and Damon was immediately into business. I do wonder if he was dissociating from Lena, not because he didn't love her, but because she was pregnant and he was afraid that she was going to die. Which is what happened. Yeah. And I wonder if the same thing happened with Rhaenyra here where she went into labor and he just knew how early it was. And he was like, well, she's dead. And he didn't want it. He couldn't be there for her because he couldn't process the fact that that was happening. So he put his energy into what he could do, which is war. And support her claim. Yeah. Because that's what he's doing. He's pushing for her. Yeah. And himself. Almost like a, she's not going to die. She's going to survive this. Like, we're yeah. going to have to fight this war after this. As soon as it's over, we're going to have to fight a war. Yeah. And I got to prepare for that. We can't We can't waste a moment. Which makes sense. And a lot of people go like, oh, it's assassinating Damon's character. No, it's not. It's really not. That's the one they established. And I, so we are going to talk about the deleted scenes a little bit because they do have a deleted scene in episode six where Damon is hugging his daughters. And they have a deleted scene in this episode where he is crying in the on the beach. And also he goes to Rhaenyra during, after the labor and holds her or something like that. So they, I, I will say this, that is a flaw that I will like critique them with. They, they have scenes where Damon's more sympathetic and they choose not to show them to us. And I think that's, I don't know why they would do that. I'm going to say at least for the episode six one, which is that I think that the scene would have ended the same way anyway. So it might've been more confusing if that makes sense. Cause he was still going to walk away. Like they filmed that too. So they might have been thinking it might confuse viewers what Damon's thoughts are. So let's kind of... So they put him in the role of dissociating. And I think they were doing that because of toxic masculinity and kind of talk... They're making a comment about society and men where men aren't allowed to show emotions and stuff. So Damon is suffering in his own right because he's not allowed to cry. He's not allowed to be upset. Or at least not openly. And I think that's what they're going to. I don't think it's necessarily that they're butchering Damon's character. I think it's they're putting him in the role of the not the toxic masculinity, but the way the patriarchy affects men in a different way than it affects women. So after this, so they're they're all meeting at this council room and it's like playing for war. Damon's kind of usurping her position, and then Otto comes over and this kind of changes Rhaenyra's mentality. 
she comes into it ready for war. She rips off the Hand of the King badge from Otto. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I think she was willing to negotiate. I think she was showing how powerful she was that, like, I'm not going to just roll over for you. I yeah. have a dragon. Yeah, I know some people were kind of like, like, Bert, why does she just burn Otto right there? And it's kind of like, well, the idea right now is that no war- one wants to be the one to no, the, strike the, people off. Everyone kind of knows war is coming. But I think they're both under this hope that, like, they can avoid the fighting and stuff, and that no one wants to be the one to draw first blood. It's kind of like the Cold War, where it's like both sides have, like, these big nukes and everything, and no one wants to be the first one to launch them. Yeah, although they really should know that this is probably inevitable. They should know that, but they don't. They refuse. They don't want to see it that way because they don't want to have to accept that they that they allowed the realm to deteriorate. And, you know, props to Rhaenyra for being very reluctant to wage a whole war over the fact that the Greens just screwed you over. Yeah, props to her. Cause I think some people were critiquing like Rhaenyra in this episode for being too "quote unquote" weak or whatever, and I don't see it that way. I think people who look at that miss the point of the story. Yeah, so the point—I mean, Game of Thrones, all of this was written by George R. Martin as an anti-war story. It's supposed to be like all these acts of vengeance and blood and everything like that. How this is all wrong and how it only makes things worse for everyone. It does it? There's no good in any of this. There's no honorable cause. So for Rhaenyra to look at it that way shows that she had the right answer. She she knew that there were more important things to deal with than her own claim to the throne. It's petty compared to the threat in the north. And yes, I think part of it was influenced by the fact that Otto showed her that piece of paper from Alicent. I would say that, but she never acknowledged that. Well, I don't think she wanted to acknowledge it to Damon. That's true. She says it to Damon. I think I think both are right. I think Parva was like, we were best friends. I think Allison felt the same way too. Neither one wants to hurt the other one. Especially after episode seven. Yeah. So Rhaenyra kind of goes off reluctant. Because Otto manipulates Rhaenyra there. And then he gives her the paper. And I wanted to talk about what you said last night after the episode where you noted that it was about Nymeria. And the fact that it's Nymeria's story about fleeing from a kingdom and going to another place. It's not just about Allison saying we're best friends. It's also saying run. Get out of here. Because she said in the last episode she must not return. Yeah. So it's not entirely kind either. No. And we, I do wonder, was this Allison or Otto? Because we don't know. We don't know. I wonder. Probably both. Yeah. Well, they're kind of at odds with each other too, so. That's true. But she has Aegon. She has Aegon. I don't Which know. Which is why he's there in the first place. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if there's anything to analyze there. But I think my the thing that really got to me was when Otto said that you and Viserys were the last people to realize that you, the succession changed. That was infuriating because obviously Viserys didn't change it. Then obviously you're wrong about that. Yeah. And just to see him use that as an argument that Viserys should have known better. Which is what angered Rhaenyra the most. Because he now he's questioning her father. Yeah, I don't think he liked Viserys. No, I think there was... He did like Viserys. I mean, no, the, you don't do this. You know, in the last episode, though, in episode 9, when he said Viserys is dead, I heard the emotion. I saw the I saw in his face that he felt the loss. Of course, he's a, still a douchebag because he definitely rushed to undo everything Viserys worked for. Idiot. I hate Otto. He's the worst. Him and Crispin Cole. Yeah. And yes, I said Crispin. I sigh with that. And now I think you wanted to talk about the, the scene choke. that I've been trying to avoid. Well, you can't avoid it. Damon chokes Rhaenyra because she tells him about the prophecy. Basically, we I Ryan Condal's argument was exactly what I thought. 
And I think if you have a problem with it, that's fine. You could have a problem with it. But that is what I thought. So just like if it matches what I thought, that's fine. Because for Damon to hear that there was this big secret and to not be part of which Rhaenyra comes to the conclusion too through the choking. Viserys never trusted him enough to tell him this big secret. And Damon was his heir for 10 years. And to know that Rhaenyra knew this whole time, it definitely felt like betrayal. Like this whole time, like, wow. And Rhaenyra also betrayed him too by not saying it. Exactly. Like, I love these people and they didn't want to tell me, they didn't want me in on this big secret. Of course, Rhaenyra didn't realize that he didn't know. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how they got through all their marriage without mentioning it. I guess. I mean, it's not important to them. I was going to say also because Viserys never really discussed with Rhaenyra much herself. So it's not as if that's a surprise there, I guess. But also, we have to note that here, Damon also lost his brother. He lost his child. And he lost his th- like the throne for his wife. He lost these things too. He's in a dark place. I'm not ju- either way a dark person. I'm not justifying him at all. He's definitely wrong. But I do want to give an explanation of why I think he did what he did. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people are saying... Because I think a lot of people are saying that it's not in his character. I don't know if it's in his character or not officially. But he's definitely not above doing violent things. No, he murdered his own wife. Yeah, I mean... In he, the, he bashed like messengers head in. Well, I think people in the show versus books, I think they're na- analyzing that version. Then again, he did whip someone with an inch of their life because he heard of a marriage. Yeah, he's very he's very fiery. Yeah, but as you said, ten years he was heir, and Viserys never told him once. Rhaenyra was told immediately when he Viserys chose her as his heir because he trusted her, which I find fascinating. And also, it shows how much he loved Emma that he entrusted the secret to Rhaenyra because he was like. I love my wife so much. Damon doesn't have Viserys' love as much as he thought he did, or hoped he did, or the respect either. And it came out in that moment. And as we know with the last scene, Damon still cares for Rhaenyra. Yes, he in the last scene, which I guess we're going to go to at the end, <laughs> Yeah, he goes for her hand and they hold each other for a minute. So Damon does love Rhaenyra. I don't think the choking was about Rhaenyra. And, it wasn't. And this is all not to say oh, blah, 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 he's, you know, all that stuff that people are saying. That being said, this episode does show Damon light and dark. I think people are missing that because they think they're overanalyzing the choke scene. Damon does support Rhaenyra wholeheartedly in this episode. He kneels to her. I mean, and then we also see him singing to Vermithor, the dragon. Trying to win a dragon over. Yeah, so my thing is that this episode, I guess, in some people's minds, went too far in the dark side versus the light side. I think the book itself does, too. I think so, too. That's my thing. But I think people are saying the light in this episode doesn't compare to the dark that Damon did. Like I said, I think the choking was a little too much. At least it went too long. Like, I would have, like, if I had to do something, I would have done something maybe a little different. I don't know. But I can see why they would have that complaint. But at the end of the day, it's not, like, the biggest deal in the world. Yeah, I mean, it is abuse. No, I mean, I'm talking about in terms of the character. It doesn't ruin... Then again, he did, like, leave her in a pleasure Yeah, he hasn't always been good to Rhaenyra. Like, you're right. He tried to, like, seduce her when she was, like, a kid. Like, what, 15, 16 years old? Yeah, I mean, I still like Damon as a character. Yeah, he's a great character. He's very... It's kind of like... He's so complicated, it's hard to tell... You know? Is that what I mean? It's hard to tell who he is. And it's... Because he can be anyone. Anyone. But I think a lot of people are say, looking at this and say, oh, he's too dark. But keep in mind, he did save Laner when he could have flat out murdered him, as the book implied. It's true. He didn't do that. So they're definitely going on both 
he's light and dark. I think people are just over analyzing the dark stuff. Like, like we said earlier, I don't think it helped that they deleted the scenes that made him look lighter. Mm-hmm. Because it does feel intentional. I don't know if it was intentional. I just don't think it was practical. Well, I don't know. That's my know. theory. I wouldn't know. At least not where Sarah has this involved because I don't think she likes Damon. She does not like a Damon. Ryan Condo, I think, is do- trying to do more what George wrote and I think he didn't think those scenes fit Damon. That's my theory. I don't think he has real biases against Damon. That's my thing because I just... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I know he loves the book, so I'm going to put Yeah, Ryan Condell, 100 is a fan of these books, more than D&D ever were. Yeah. I just, I hope I don't get burned by that, by going in that faith. I don't think we will. I mean, yeah, I don't think we will. Yeah. And I want to turn to the conclusion for Rainey's and Corliss's story. Because this was a very much a show where they were kind of like, Valarian, for Corliss, it was ambition for the Iron Throne. And for Rainey's, the story was about trying to be like neutral and trying to stay out of this toxic family. Because every time they did, through Corliss's ambition, it didn't end well for their family. And now the story the story ends with Corliss ready to give it up and Rainey's ready to get in. I think Rainey's realized that Rhaenyra actually was had the ability to be a good queen based on how reluctant she was to just plunge the kingdom into war. And I think that's where Rainey's realized she should be queen. I heard this last night in a video I was watching. It was it wasn't just like Rainey's supporter from the beginning as we all thought was gonna be the case. It was very much uh, Rhaenyra had to earn Rhaenys' respect. Because Rhaenys started this episode neutral still. She was kind of like, I didn't kill him because it wasn't my war to fight. I didn't want to be the first one to draw blood. I wasn't going to do that. Yeah, that's a theme in this ep- in the last episode. No one wants to be the first one yeah. to do anything. And even when they're talking about war, Rhaenys is like, out of it. Like, there's this one scene where Damon says, we have Melis. And you look at Rhaenys and she kind of cocks her like, oh really? Like, you think you could just take me for granted? And But she still stays there because part of her wants to see where this goes. And at the end of the story, she chooses Rhaenyra. And this is shown in the big council scene where Rhaenys says, I'll make sure no ships get through. I'll The blockade. Able, yeah, I'll be, make sure the blockade is good. So for her, and, Rhaenys, and for Rhaenyra, it means a lot for her to finally come around. So it does look like Rhaenys is now on Rhaenyra's side. And Corlys now also joins Rhaenyra's side. And his is more because of Rhaenys. And because he feels like I don't know the other reason why, actually. What do you mean? Like, what other reasons besides for Rainey's? Well, she convinced him that that was the right thing to do. I don't think yeah. there was anything more to it. Maybe his ambition was revamped, but I think I his, his ambition. His ambition is done. He said it's done. Mm-hmm. He's just fighting this because Rainey's wants. Yeah, because because Rainey's wants because at this point, of course, right? Like, let's just retire and let the war go on. Let's do that. And the the gist of the scene where Corlys goes to Rhaenyra is that Rhaenyra is still reluctant to start the war. But she's not just going to sit around like a sitting duck for things to happen. She's got to go and make sure she has allies. Because when they do besiege King's Landing, because that's the idea, like, we can block King's Landing, and we need to come together. Kind of like the plan season seven a little bit. Only smarter. (laughs) Yeah, it was weird that it was smarter because in this one it was more just, we have the dragon power, and why not? Yeah, it's like they have the dragon power, but also so do they. And I wish I still kind of mentioned this. The other, the reason why it's even more reluctant is because even though the blacks outmatch the greens and dragons, they have Vagar. I think seeing Vagar is enough to understand that. Yeah, Vagar is like it would take like three dragons at least to fight Vagar. I think in their mind, depending on the dragon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because in season seven, the problem was that they gave Daenerys too much power that it was kind of ridiculous that she wasn't just going for the capital. 
Where here it's, yeah, they have a lot of power, but they're set against power that's not maybe not equal, but certainly a threat. And they have no assured alliances. For all they know, it's just like that one little area of Dragonstone, the islands around it, and that's it. So they need to make sure they have those alliances, which leads to Jace and Luke. Jace basically volunteering them to yeah, go. Luke must be furious with Jace. <laughs> In the afterlife. Just waiting. Which leads to the big scene of this episode. Yeah, this one was crazy. I mean, we knew yeah. it was coming. The Battle of Shipbreakers Bay. Yeah. Which, basically, Luke gets there, and Boros Baratheon's like, nope, I'm good. Will you marry my daughter? And Aemon's there, and it, yeah, it just escalates. And I don't even know how to begin with this scene, because it's just, it was so well done. I mean, I mainly just want to talk about the dragon chase. Okay. I don't really have much to say about the scene itself, because, well, there's a lot to analyze, apart from the maester whispering in Boros's ear, very suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He couldn't just say it aloud. Yeah. And I'll say this, Aemon is definitely the antagonist here. Because Luke was just, I'm ready, I'm giving my message, and I go. But Aemon had to pick a fight. And was like, take your eye out. Yeah, like, are you dumb? And then Boros Baratheon kind of, like, lets it go. Like, he's like, he, even though he's like, not in my hall, this will not happen here. He still gets rid of Luke's guest right by having him out of the castle. Luke was under guest right, let's not forget that. Yeah, that's why, that's why Rhaenyra was fine with him going, because... You're a guest. Yeah, like, they wouldn't kill you. No one wants to start... No... Rhaenyra's under the idea that no one wanted to start this war. No one wanted to be the first one to kill someone and lead to this happening. And it is true, because Aemon didn't want to kill Luke. He just wanted to take his eye and scare him a little bit. Which leads to the big chasing you want to get into. Yeah, my first thought was, reminded me very much of Jurassic Park. You know, in the scene with the T-Rex? Definitely. When he's walk- I don't know, what just made me think of that, especially with the dragons being around. Mm-hmm. And the last scene, Burbathor looks so much like a T-Rex. That was just my first thought. But I also want to talk about the fact that Eamon didn't want to kill Luke, which is yeah. interesting because in the book... That's not how I read it. Yeah, well... We don't know what happened. We're not in Eamon's head in the book. But still, it is something that you don't... You just think he did it. Yeah, and I like... I kind of like the idea that Eamon is still immature, where he thinks that this is a game. Which Otto Hightower accused Allison of in the last episode. You think this is a game? Yeah. And especially seeing the dragon as a toy. Vagar is no one's toy. Mm-mm. Vagar is a dragon who has been through war so many times, it's not even funny. Yeah. She's not to be trifled with, she's not to be played with. Yeah. She will do what she has to do. And Eric threatened her with fire. Eric's was a terrified little dragon. Ter- Eric's was a terrified kid, basically, with a little small boy on top who was scared himself. Probably he probably feels Luke's fear too. And Vagar felt Aemon's hatred. Yeah. And she herself was attacked by this little dragon who was trying to defend him. She probably had PTSD from her war crimes. Yeah. Her years of war crimes, yes. And she decided to commit another one. <laughs> yeah, she really did. Yeah. And it was just so well done with the lightning and the maneuver. The fear tactics. Yeah, I'm so glad we could see it. By the way, I was kinda of scared we weren't gonna be able to see it. No, I mean what they wanted you to see, you saw what they didn't. You didn't Yeah. And I also liked how Luke flew up above the clouds. Because I never thought, like I said, I never thought of it like this. He's above the clouds, and they're kind of like soaring a little bit, like trying to get away. And it's like, kind of like a breather. Then out of nowhere, Vigor comes out and just like, like basically swallows him whole and cuts Arax in half. Into many pieces, actually. Yeah, Vagar was quick. Yeah, it was very quick. And I also thought it was interesting that Aemon didn't want that. Yeah, because he's having no Vagar. He lost control. Yeah, which is something that happens in the books. We've talked about Arya with Balerion in the mm-hmm. book. So 
who was also big and experienced dragon. Yeah, at that point, the largest dragon. Yeah, and you can kind of see in the scene itself how hard it is for him to maneuver, Aemond, to maneuver with Vagar. Like, I mean, if you watch close, you can kind of see him struggling to move her a little bit. Because she, like, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. She's experienced. Like, so it's like, I like this idea, like, this little, this little turd <laughs> couldn't control Vagar. Like, he thought he could, but she could do what she wants still. Yeah, and we, I remember Daenerys Drogon. It was yeah. hard to control at first. Yeah. Which, and he was a young dragon. Yeah. So it makes him think of Arax. Yeah, so it seems like there's a theme of, like, young dragons are hard to, are hard to maneuver because they're young and they're inexperienced. So they'll, do, they'll do what they want, like teenagers. And older dragons are, like, kind of like, I'll do what I want because I know what I'm doing. Or you can't can, you can't do that for me. I'll do it myself. It speaks to two lines: one from the main series of Game of Thrones, "A dragon is no slave," mm-hmm. and it speaks to the line in the very beginning of the series when Viserys said to Rhaenyra, "The fact, the idea that we control the dragons is no illusion." Because, and we saw it right here. And Vagar just started a whole war. I'm sure she wanted it all along. Yeah, and I love Aemon's face after. It's like, oh shit, what, what did I do? Yeah. I mean, he should have known better. It's still his yeah. fault. He should have known. Yeah, he should have. He should have known better, but he didn't. And I think the question... I think that, he did. I think the question... Ryan, on some level. Yeah, and I believe the question that Ryan Condal leaves is like, is he going to own it or is he going to be like, sorry, guys? We'll see. And we'll have to wait two years to find out. And then I guess this takes us to the very last scene. Yeah, this was another one that I think was another great scene in this season. Emma D'Arcy deserves an Emmy for that alone. We didn't even see Rhaenyra's face. At first. For like the most of it. Just the way you know the grief, the pain, yeah. it's extraordinary. You watch her kind of stumble as she tries to walk away from Damon. And then, like, it's just like you see her, like, oh, like you can tell exactly what she's feeling. And then she turns around, and the Rhaenyra that we knew in this episode is dead. Yeah. The Rhaenyra who did not want to start a war, who wanted what was best for her people, and wanted to face the North, the queen that we should have gotten, the one the realm deserved, is gone. And now there's only vengeance and hatred. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if it's all gone, but it's no, gone I mean, for now. We'll see, because when we see Rhaenyra in episode, I mean, season two, we'll see where this goes. And it is, yeah. I mean, she now she on top of that, she lost her son. Yeah. And I, for one, cannot wait for season two to see where this so goes. So far away. I know. But I absolutely think this was one of my favorite episodes of the season. Definitely. Rings of Power. So I watched Rings of Power mainly because I think we might attempt to rate it along with the House of the Dragon first season. Less so excessively, but still maybe analyze it a little bit, just for fun. And, well, I have my complaints, I have my compliments, but let's mainly focus on my complaints. So I'm going to focus on four complaints for the season overall, just because for the sake of time, and a few good things too. So one complaint I had was the Hartford plotline just was very slow and boring. I don't think it really worked all that much, especially considering the fact that they cut out most of the journey when Lord of the Rings is famous for their journeys. I feel like that was a bit off. My next complaint would be the poor writing at some points. I mean, there are things that just don't make sense at some points, such as Galadriel jumping off the boat right by Valinor and then swimming supposedly 800 miles to get to shore. I don't think she thought that one through. And also the dialogue at some points where, such as the sea is always right. I feel like a few people have made comments about that, but it makes sense why. I don't think that's something Tolkien would really say. And then my next complaint would be the uh, Mithril storyline. I think 
that really took the dwarven plotline down a rabbit hole of not greatness. I don't think that Mithril being Silmarils makes sense, especially considering that in the books, the Silmarillion, the Silmarils are a big deal and what happens to them is also a very big storyline and what they've caused. So that for them to be here now and technically having been part of the forging of the rings is not something that I think is a good idea. And especially considering that Elrond was made an oath that he was compelled to break, which is a big deal in this world. I mean, it's a bigger deal than in A Song Ice and Fire because it actually affects the character within, as we see with Isildur's curse on the men who swore to defend them from Sauron. And if you've read The Silmarillion, you know what I'm talking about in the first stage. And then my final complaint would be the Sauron reveal. I don't think it worked considering that Galadriel in the book was very much a wise character. They went down a different route where she, where she was more, she has to learn that. But she was wise enough in the books to know that Sauron was not to be trusted, even in disguise. I mean, the character that Halbrand seems to be based off of in the book, when he appears in the elven kingdom of Linden, Galadriel's immediately like, don't trust him, get rid of him. Where here she's the one that brought him in. And I guess they were trying to go for, oh, she has flaws, she did this. But the book version didn't have those flaws, so I feel like you're just inventing it so you don't seem like you're being Mary Suing the whole thing. Which, if you don't know what a Mary Sue is, is basically when the woman is perfect, apparently. Galadriel should probably have been more closer to that. She did have her pride in the book. And she did have her own martial capabilities, according to Tolkien. So I think those are additions to it, but I think she should have been more wise. I think that was something they messed up with. And, you know, having Sauron be Halbrand by her side the whole time was just not a good addition for me. And now here are a few compliments. I did like the Arondir character. I thought he was very fascinating. I did like mostly the Mordor stuff. There were some things that were off, such as the explosion from the Mountain Doom. Don't know how it didn't end up like Pompeii, but I'm not going to make a complaint about that. I did like the story overall. You know what? I shouldn't say that because... I wish it was Sauron who made it Mordor, but that is neither here nor there. Ignore that. Compliments. And then I also liked Deez's character. I thought she was very funny and entertaining at points. And I think that she was a good addition to the show. But, oh no, there was more. I liked the music. I think that one's a give me. I think the music was never bad for the most part. And especially the last song, The Land of Shadow. I really liked it. I know there are people who don't like it, but I personally did. So I'm going to give it a compliment. But that's really all I'm going to say about this, just to give my own small analysis before we rate it slightly a little bit in the next episode. And that's my own opinion about Rings of Power, if anyone was curious. Conclusion. And that's a wrap on the first season, but it is not a wrap on our discussion of it. No, we're going to be doing a review next week. I think not next week. I think we're going to go back to the regular schedule of two-week intervals. Yeah. Regular, when we usually post with us, when we'll post now from here on out. Yeah, I agree. That's We'll take the two weeks. It'll give us more time to focus on other yeah. things. Yeah. I have a few more episodes before we go back into season two. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a bit more on House yeah. of the Dragon in season one of Game of Thrones. So we'll be wrapping up with the year. Yes. And then next year, in 2023, we'll get back to season two of Game of Thrones. Hopefully we'll be farther along by the time season two of House of the Dragon comes along. Oh yeah, we definitely will be. We're talking two years from now. Yeah, no, but still, just hoping. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean, ultimately this episode was, I think, one of my favorites in the season. I'm 
think it's on my top three of my this season so far. Episode seven's still my favorite. Episode seven is my favorite, I think. Yeah. I think followed by episode ten, then five. I think. I'd have to think about it. Yeah, I do too. But as of right now, I really like this episode a lot. I think it, it was one of my favorites. Yeah, I'm very excited to like get into our discussion with it, though. In two weeks. <laughs> yeah, but we'd love to hear from you. If you have your own opinions about this episode, you know, you can just DM us at Instagram, you know. Back underscore into underscore thrones. Yeah, if you disagree with some things we said, we'd love to know what your thoughts are, what why you disagree, if you have what your opinion on that is. I mean, especially on the Damon thing, I feel like that's such a very controversial topic I've been hearing for the last few days that it would be interesting to see someone whose opinion on why they think this was butchering the character. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm just really excited to get into this discussion. Yeah, so... I am sad that we have to wait two years to get the next stuff, though. Yeah, I mean, it's far away. Yeah, I know. Long we'll, roads. We'll get through it with Back into Thrones. Absolutely. Yep. Took my line. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be back in two with our full season review. Yeah. Bye. Bye.